When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, all right, all right. You're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily dose of sanity in an insane world from an American nationalist perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available on demand as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And you can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. Or you can shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Or call the vent line at 772-245-0750. Get something off your chest. Call the vent line at 772-245-0750. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I was on with... Izzo last night, Dominic Izzo on his show, The Rants of Izzo, airing each weeknight at 6 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Man, that guy is all jacked up. I don't know what that dude's taking, but I want some of it. That was like trying to jump on a, uh, a roller coaster uh, midway through. It's a good show. Uh, I encourage you to go and, and listen to it on the archives, uh, available at mojo50.com. But uh, we talked about uh, the current state of events with regard to Iran and and the Democrats' um, condemnations of uh, Trump killing uh, a re- renowned, notorious international terrorist dressed up in a uniform by the rogue terrorist nation of Iran. And... Uh, and <laughs> Donald Trump came out and gave his address to the nation yesterday morning. He was supposed to go on at 11, and uh, he was about 20 minutes late. But whoever staged that press, uh, well, I guess it wasn't a press conference, that address to the nation did a masterful job uh, when the president came out uh, through the double doors and the, uh, the, yeah, John Roberts on Fox calling it the foyer we don't say foyer in this country. We are not French. It was the foyer. But he, uh, the, these double doors opened, and uh, the president was framed by, uh, by sunlight that was coming in from a window that uh, lined up with these double doors. And it was almost uh, a, uh, uh, like he was uh, you know, uh, stepping in from the light. And he was surrounded by his Joint Chiefs of Staff and his uh, his Secretary of Defense and Vice President Pence uh, to to give the uh, the event the uh, the gravity that it deserved. It was about an eight minute long address. Um, it, it was praised by Republicans and, of course, condemned by the Democrats. 
I fall somewhere in the middle. I thought he sh- he may have should have tapered or tempered his remarks to uh, to allow the uh, the Iranians to uh, save face a little. He opened his address. Well, I'll just play a clip of it for you here. This is uh, him opening his address yesterday. As long as I'm president of the United States, Iran will never be allowed to have a nuclear weapon. Good morning. I'm pleased to inform you the American people should be extremely grateful and happy. No Americans were harmed in last night's attack by the Iranian regime. We suffered no casualties. All of our soldiers are safe, and only minimal damage was sustained at our military bases. Our great American forces are prepared for anything. Iran appears to be standing down, which is a good thing for all parties concerned and a very good thing for the world. No American or Iraqi lives were lost because of the precautions taken, the dispersal of forces, and an early warning system that worked very well. So that was the uh, the climax of the Democrats' uh, three-day-long freakout uh, in the aftermath of the killing of Soleimani, where they assured us that Donald Trump was a madman that was going to drag us into another of these endless wars over in the Middle East. That was never the case. Uh, American people have lost their ability to discern between a measured military response on an active threat to our troops and our interests and uh, invading and occupying uh, a nation. We're shell-shocked after nearly 20 years of these worthless, useless quagmires that the military-industrial complex and the establishment in the swamp in Washington, D.C. have drug us into. But uh, you would have to say that it was uh, uh, the best possible outcome that the Iranians uh, were able to blow off a little steam but not kill anybody or seriously damage um, you know, our military bases, and, uh, and we, um, we let them get away with it because Trump's uh, red line is if you kill military uh, or if you kill Americans that we will respond. It surprised me, quite honestly. I expected uh, that the, the U.S. military would have taken out the sources of those um, uh, those missiles that were launched against American interests. But unlike the Democrats and unlike uh, some of the uh, more reactionary forces in the Republican Party, I'm willing to give the president the benefit of the doubt at this point. He has proven that he will respond in a measured way. And um, and. You know, I, I will uh, have faith in our commander-in-chief that he knows what he's doing. Where I did take some issue with the, uh, with the address was while offering an olive branch to the Iranians and, and telling them that uh, we would do everything we can to see that uh, they were able to prosper and, uh, and join the family of nations if they would suspend their nuclear program, and their terrorist activities. I don't think he needed to open it by stating the obvious, which is the United States is determined to do whatever is necessary to keep the mullahs in Iran from getting a uh, a nuclear weapon. 
And if you're going to make that statement, what you need to do is follow it up on why. And the why, of course, is because Iran has a 40-year-long history, ever since the Ayatollah Khomeini came out of exile in France to convert that once prosperous and and a forward-looking nation into an Islamic theocracy. The mullahs and the ayatollahs in Iran have uh, engaged in a nonstop uh, terror campaign through proxies throughout the region to destabilize, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, the modern governments in the Middle East and convert them into Islamic theocracies as well. But Trump did, in fact, <clears throat> offer uh, the Iranians an off-ramp and, uh, and appealed to, this appeal was uh, addressed to the Iranian people because the mullahs are, are absolutely committed to their current path. But he did offer them um, a vision of things that could be if they would, uh, if they would just cease their uh, their destabilizing presence throughout the Middle East. Finally, to the people and leaders of Iran, we want you to have a future and a great future, one that you deserve, one of prosperity at home and harmony with the nations of the world. The United States is ready to embrace peace with all who seek it. You know, the, the United States is by far the most powerful military in the world, and, and at this point we have become sort of the sole superpower in the world. And I think it uh, sort of goes without saying that uh, we're not going to allow them to have nuclear weapons, and at this point if they engage in uh, killing Americans or continuing to attack us, we have the ability and the will to, uh, to punish them. So I would have liked to have heard more of uh, Trump's appeal to the people of Iran, go over the head of the mullahs and directly to the people that we don't uh, hate you, we don't want war with you. What we want is a secure world for us and all nations. And if you're willing to, in light of your 40-year rampage throughout the Middle East, swear off these nuclear arms and swear off uh, terrorism, then we would be more than happy uh, to, to see you join the family of nations. I found a clip online of Nikki Haley talking about how we got to this place and, uh, and the approach that was taken by previous administrations toward the mullahs in Iran. You can look at any place in the Middle East where there are problems and the Iranian tentacles are there. If you know that there's proof of support of terrorism, if you know there's been arms smuggling, if you know that they're in violation of multiple things from that resolution, why isn't it anyone standing up? They're not standing up out of fear that the Iran regime will pull out of the JCPOA. Now, how smart is that? So we're gonna ignore all of these things they're doing throughout the Middle East in the name of protecting a flawed deal? That's not smart. It's not being careful. It's not being in front of the situation. What we are looking at is we are not keeping Iranians from doing bad things. We're empowering them. And we gave them a ton of money to do it. And so we can't expect any different behavior. 
So how are your New Year's resolutions going? Have you, uh, have you broken any of them yet? How many resolutions do you have on your list? Can you remember what resolutions you made last year and how those came out? A lot of those resolutions fell by the wayside, and it wasn't because you lacked the ability to keep those resolutions. It's because your mind, in many cases, are working against you. We've got subconscious blocks, negative thoughts, and, and emotions that tell us that uh, we can't achieve our potential. And those thoughts are stopping us from re- uh, reaching our goals. Well, this, uh, there's a simple proven way to overcome these blocks and these negative thoughts, and that is through biofeedback. Everything you ever wanted or envisioned but have been unable to achieve is completely within your grasp. Biofeedback and neurofeedback is a simple passive way to reach your true potential by removing these negative thoughts that are holding you back. And this is not some pseudoscience. These are techniques that are deployed by the Department of Defense in their Special Forces operations, U.S. Olympic athletes, the Mayo Clinic, and we're now making those same techniques available to you, our Mojo Five O listeners, through our new sponsor, BioLife. Sessions are available in the Chicago offices or remotely by phone. If you want to change your life, first you have to change your mind. Call today for your free consultation. Mention Mojo Five O, and you'll get a fifty dollars discount. And you can reach them at eight 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 four BioLife. That's eight eight eight. 424-6543 or go online and find them at newlifeholistic.com. That's newlifeholistic.com. So once again, the Democrats, uh, the presidential candidates, and all of these unhinged Democrats uh, that are thoroughly infected with Trump derangement syndrome in Congress have egg on their face because it didn't turn out that it was going to be World War Three in the aftermath of the killing of Suleimani. It turned out to be uh, sort of a symbolic launching of missiles onto tarmacs over there in, uh, in the Middle East. And so I just want to take a little walk down memory lane with you with, uh, with these Democrats condemning the president and predicting Armageddon. Here is a clip from... Representative Jay Paul uh, questioning why in the world would Trump want to take out a known international terrorist? This is the result of reckless actions by President Trump of military brinksmanship. President Trump recklessly assassinated Qasem Soleimani. He had no evidence of an imminent threat or attack. And we say that coming from a classified briefing where, again, there was no raw evidence presented that there was an imminent threat. So this is uh, two of the lines of attack they've adopted. One is that we needed an imminent threat from Qasem Soleimani in order to take the opportunity to take him off of the battlefield. Well, let's look at that. On the previous, on the day previous to Soleimani's arrival at the Baghdad airport, The U.S. Embassy was being attacked. They were trying to breach our walls, and they only withdrew after uh, Trump deployed 750 additional Marines from Qatar to reinforce the embassy. That attack on our embassy 
was led by Iraq's, uh, I'm sorry, Iran's uh, militia leader inside Iraq. And when Soleimani arrived at the airport there in Baghdad at four in the morning, who did he who did he meet with? He met with that very same militia leader. And uh, and they were going to, according to American intelligence, plot further attacks. So, yes, there was an imminent threat, but even absent an imminent threat, it would have been high time after 20 years of Soleimani uh, killing Americans and destabilizing the region to take him out. Soleimani was not, in the real sense of the word, a subordinate to the Ayatollahs in Iran. He was, in fact, their, the, the Iranian terror leader. He was the guy that conducted strategy that went throughout the region, propping up proxies in order to uh, to topple governments and further this is uh, Islamic fundamentalist terror revolution throughout the region. And Ilhan Omar, uh, the Somali representative from Minneapolis, is just fine with that. She spent her time in the aftermath of Suleimani's killing, condemning our president of the United States. Since he got into office, the president of the United States has been goading Iran into war. First, he canceled our best shot at avoiding armed conflict, the Iran nuclear deal. Then he announced crippling sanctions to starve the innocent people of Iran. And whether he publicly says he wants nothing to do with wars or that he wants to end endless wars, we know that his actions are contradictory to his statements because every single person he surrounded himself with has been itching to go to war with Iran. And this is a man who, ha- who is both an arsonist and a fireman. He starts a crisis, then he wants to create the appearance of wanting to solve it. He's done that here. Our ability to fight ISIS has also been eroded because of the suspension of the Iran nuclear deal. The occupant of the White House has not done a single thing to stabilize the region. He has done everything to create more tension. You know, we are no more safer today than we were yesterday. We are no more safer today than we were yesterday. Listening to her, you got to uh, it has to occur to you, wouldn't she be more at home back in Somalia? I mean, seriously. She is so uh delusional. She says the president has done nothing to improve the situation in the Middle East. Well, ISIS was on a rampage throughout the Middle East, and uh, the Obama administration was telling us that it was going to be a 20-year-long project to try to eliminate ISIS. Donald Trump came into office, took the reins off of our military, and eliminated ISIS and his caliphate, including killing Baghdadi. He uh, eliminated ISIS' ability to continue to spread terror throughout the region within the first year of his administration. And then while all of the foreign policy and defense experts 
that have drug us into these quagmires over there who were wetting their pants because Trump wanted to get out of Syria. He uh, was was able to uh, go ahead and remove the ISIS leader Baghdadi from the field as well. So the the parallel universe that the Democrats live in is is unbelievable. She calls Trump both an arsonist and a firefighter, saying that he's the one that has created uh, these these conflicts in the Middle East. No, that's not the reality. The reality is Donald Trump inherited a 40-year-long failed policy in the Middle East of invading, toppling regimes, occupying, and getting bogged down in these quagmires. And what he's trying to do is withdraw uh, our forces from harm's way, at the same time protecting our interests with our uh, our ability to project power with our Navy and with our uh, air forces. Katrina Pearson was on uh, that uh, that show on Saturday night, uh, The Revolution. I can't remember the name of the host, but she uh, she said it really well. So it's no surprise that all of the politicians who have literally handed President Trump 40 years of failed foreign policy are now complaining about the results of their own and their own action or inaction. Right. I don't think Hillary Clinton would have made that decision. I mean, Bill passed on killing Osama bin Laden. And then we have Hillary in Benghazi. I don't think that she would have taken the decisive action. But what we do know is we now have a, a clear distinction of what drawing a red line means when you yeah. use a Sharpie versus an erase marker. Exactly. So the red line that the president has established is if you kill Americans, you are going to have a, a massive, prompt, and devastating response. I heard John Kerry on MSNBC yesterday claiming that – uh, the, uh, that Trump's uh, statement during his address that the previous administration had transferred billions of dollars to Iran was false. And here's the argument he made. It's an outright lie, an outright lie by the president of the United States that they were given $150 billion. They were not. And the money that they did receive... <laughs> They didn't get $150 billion, and the $150 billion that they did receive was their money because they sued the United States of America and won in court and were being paid interest. So American citizens were paying interest every single day that was accruing more and more billions of dollars that were going to go to Iran. We cut that short. We negotiated a deal that greatly reduced the amount of money that they were in fact supposed to receive under court order, and they would have received it eventually, and we transferred that to them, most of which they owed to other countries and other people in a massive debt that Iran had accrued. Well, then why did you give the money if they if they were going to use it to pay back this massive debt why did you give it to iran and allow them to use that money to prop prop up their terrorist proxies throughout the region why not just turn around and give it to the people iran owed the money to that would have deprived the mullahs of the ability to use those funds to further their terrorist agenda and Kerry's claim that they didn't transfer uh, 150 billion dollars to iran is just a bald-faced lie there were about $1.5 billion delivered to the mullahs in cash on pallets. 
why you would have done that and allowed the the, the optics of America's humiliation to the mullahs in Iran is is astounding. But there is no doubt that the JCPOA that the Obama administration foolishly in, uh, entered into with Iran transferred this $150 billion. And he's talking about it was a court judgment. Well, it wasn't an, an American court judgment. <clears throat> it was one of these international courts of justice operated over there in uh, Europe that the United States is not bound to abide by. They should have taken that $150 billion and and used it in the effort to uh, rein in Iran's regional ambitions. They should have given a lot of it to the, uh, the hostages that were held by Iran back in 1979 to compensate them and all of the other families, military families and victims of terrorists that have been victimized by the Iranians. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at that Ukrainian airliner that went down during the Iranians' missile attack. Stick with us. We'll be right back, right here on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID 19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is... What's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Your daily dose of sanity from an American nationalist perspective. So if you missed my, uh, my appearance on the Rants with Izzo right here last night on the Mojo 5 Radio Network, you can go to mojo50.com and click on the Rants of Izzo show and uh, listen to the archive <laughs> it's pretty funny you know uh he caught me at the cocktail hour here at the Dawes home and uh <laughs> and he was uh he was revved up i want whatever that dude is taking and uh and hearing uh hearing me try to keep up with Izzo was uh, pretty entertaining well it turns out that um about half of the american public have been hearing a lot about the killing of the terror mastermind over over in uh, Iraq, Suleimani, 
And, uh, and I have often despaired on this program uh, how illiterate uh, American people have become on issues of national defense and proper use of the military and how shell-shocked uh, we are, um, you know, and, and sort of frozen with uh, paralyzed with indecision on how to act over there. And you've got these Democrats running around waving their hands and screaming World War III and freaking the millennials out. The Selective Service website uh, crashed because uh, a, uh, a hoax went around social media that we were going to reinstitute the draft, and it, it freaked them out. And it was done purposely. They're trying to mobilize uh, young people for the upcoming elections because they know uh, that uh, they have been indoctrinated with this cultural Marxist uh, ideology, both in, uh, in high schools and, and universities. And they put forward this uh, this hoax to try to panic the young skulls full of mush. But it turns out that the more you know about what has been going on in the Middle East, the more likely you are to have supported the president's actions. A full 47% support the airstrike that killed Suleimani and 40% disapprove. Well, that's a little reassuring to me because I, I mean, if you, if you get your news from the mainstream media and you pay attention to what goes on on social media, you would have, you would have come away with the conclusion that, uh, the president's actions were widely, uh, unpopular. 70% of Democrats disapprove while 85% of Republicans approve of it. So, the, the the interesting thing about this is the people that were able to find Iran on a map were more likely to support the president's actions than, than those people that are unable to find um, Iran on a map. 69% of the people that could locate Iran on the globe said they thought uh, that Soleimani's uh, his existence made war with Iran more likely and America less safe. So, you know, that's a, that's a little bit of encouraging news. I've become a big fan of Dan Crenshaw, the former U S Navy seal who uh, was wounded in combat, lost his eye and has got the uh, baddest ass eye patch that I've ever seen sported. He, uh, he did tours in both Iraq and Afghanistan and went back to the battlefield after he was uh, wounded. And he was, uh, he was appearing, uh, actually, he, uh, he was uh, at one of the Republican news conferences and, uh, and was a voice of sanity about the proper use of the military and the justification for killing Soleimani. Played to Iraq twice, played to Afghanistan once. And uh, after getting blown up, I deployed back to the Middle East and Bahrain. I have seen the, uh, the Iranian threat network, studied it closely. I've seen what their export of weapons does to our soldiers in Iraq. Over 600 killed by IEDs, specialized IEDs that were exported there from the Iranians. Iranians are experts at surrogate warfare. They create sleeper cells in Bahrain right next to our Navy base. Stoke civil war in Yemen and Iraq. And in Syria, they're experts at creating chaos. The Democrats 
arguments rely on two false premises. One is that history began with Donald Trump's strike against Soleimani. That is, of course, not true. History began long before that. The Iranians have been escalating against the United States for a very long time, started in 1979. Well, recently, they embarrassed our U.S. Navy sailors after they boarded a U.S. Navy vessel. They've shot down U.S. drones. They've put limpet mines on oil tankers. They've attacked Saudi oil facilities. They've put rocket attacks towards our bases. And they orchestrated an attack against a U.S. embassy. History began long before Donald Trump finally took action and stopped letting the Iranians punch us in the face. The second false premise is that there is this false choice between doing nothing, all-out war. The president is not taking us to all-out war. There is a lot in between, and we have to be more honest about that fact. We have to set a red line and say that as the United States of America, we will not be punished indefinitely. We have to take action. We had to respond, and the president did just that. And it's time to be unified behind our president instead of casting partisan stones. You know, I don't know if uh, Crenshaw was a uh, an officer and enlisted man. I, I guess it really doesn't matter, but I would love to see him uh, brought in at some point. He's doing a great job representing Texas, but I'd love to see him brought into our national defense um, uh, policymakers because He's got exactly the right ideas that uh, that we need to keep America safe and strong while keeping us out of these ridiculous foreign wars. On the political side, the purely political side, Matt Gatz, who represents a district in the panhandle of Florida, is also uh, on TV um, expressing the, the proper role of the U.S. military and uh, articulating the uh, the Trump doctrine um, better than most, better than these uh, these politicians that have been in Washington during these uh, disastrous decisions that took us into Afghanistan and Iraq and Syria and Libya. Well, the Iranians certainly were able to draw a beat on their target when they were shooting into Saudi Arabia, and so I think John's point is well taken. Remember, General Soleimani, the terrorist, was trying to pull the United States and Iran into war. That's why it was the right thing to do to kill him. However, we should not give General Soleimani in death what he could not accomplish in life, and that is a war with the United States and Iran. I'm hopeful this was an intentional miss. I do believe if the United States seeks war with Iran, which the president doesn't, the American people don't, that, of course, congressional authorization would be required. That's in the Constitution, certainly not for self-defense. I think the president has been measured, and let's hope that restraint wins the day. Yeah, I mean, if... If he wanted to respond Laura tonight, England. he could have responded tonight. The light of, of day course. there or, or hours ago. If he the did. president wanted war with Iran, he's had plenty of opportunities. He has chosen to exercise restraint. And I think we're seeing the Trump doctrine is one where we strike and then move. We don't invade and then try to persuade hey, people I said, that we're I liberators. Said, I said last You know, what I like about Donald Trump's policy is he is um, expressing through his actions more respect for human life both American soldiers, civilians in the region, and also the lives of our enemy combatants than any president in my lifetime. You recall after uh, the Iranians shot down a couple of our drones over the Persian Gulf, the military leaders had drawn up plans for a massive retaliation, and the president at, uh, at, the, at the 11th hour pulled the plug on those plans because he said that uh, the loss of life of the Iranians in those military batteries would be too great and that it wasn't worth killing 
these Iranians in response to the downing of, uh, of drones. That was a, a, a great deal of restraint that the president uh, exercised. The Democrats are absolutely unwilling to recognize his true nature. And, uh, and I, you know, it's just a shame that we don't have a, a media uh, that looks at these things in a more objective manner. And it's a shame that we've got Republicans like Mike Lee, the uh, the main water carrier for the uh, uh, unlimited immigration into our country. I don't know what's wrong with the people of Utah that s- keep sending us these cucks to Washington. Mike Lee and Mitt Romney. But Mike Lee uh, went to this briefing yesterday where the president uh, had promised to bring them up to speed on the justifications for killing Soleimani as if any further justification was needed. Had nothing good to say, just came out of that briefing raising hell that uh, he wasn't shown the proper deference. And had the questions answered, I came into that briefing expecting to ask. They left after 75 minutes. Now, I, I understand these are busy people. They've got a lot of demands on their time. Then why are you griping? They're appearing before a coordinate branch of government, a coordinate branch of government responsible for their funding, for their confirmation, for any approval of any military action they might undertake. And they had to leave after 75 minutes while they're in the, in the process of telling us that we need to be good little boys and girls and run along and, and not debate this in public. I, I, I find that absolutely insane. I, 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 I think it's unacceptable. And so I, I, I don't know what they had in mind. I went in there hoping to get more specifics as far as the factual, legal, moral, moral justification for what they did. Um, I, I'm still undecided on that issue, in part because we never got to the details. Every time we got close, they'd say, well, um, we can't discuss that here because it's really sensitive. We're in a skiff. We're in a secure underground bunker where... All- so let's put Mike Lee's comments in, in a context. The president is being viciously attacked by the Ayatollah caucus in the Democrat Party. He's being viciously attacked in the mainstream media on the pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post. And Mike Lee comes out of this briefing and feeds right into this, uh, this negativity. Now, if, you know, if Mike Lee has legitimate concerns about that happening, all he has to do is pick up the phone and call the president of the United States. The president of the United States is more available to senators than uh, any president in my lifetime. He, uh, he, he makes calls uh, to senators constantly. There was no need for Mike Lee to, to go out and feed into the negativity that the Democrats are sowing in regard to the president's policy with respect to Iran. And there's every reason to believe that, in fact, he was being dishonest in his comments. Here is Senator James Langford on with Melissa Francis on Fox. Committee. So thank you for joining us. We've heard a lot about this briefing earlier today. Um, is there anything you can tell us about what you've heard? It was exceptionally helpful to be able to go through the intelligence that they have gathered over the last uh, several years, uh, especially in the last several months, to be able to walk through what has led to this moment. Uh, obviously, the number of attacks and the level of attacks that uh, Soleimani and the Iranians and the Shia militias have brought to our forces and the patience the president's really had. Uh, there's been over 
90 attacks on Americans just in this area in the last month and a half uh, that the Iranians and the Shia militias have done. 90 attacks. Uh, so th a lot of folks are focused on the last night the big missile attack, but this has been an ongoing process of rocket attacks, improvised explosive devices on our supply lines over and over again trying to attack. And it was the end of December that was an American killed. And that has always been our red line with the president to say, you are, you are playing with fire as you try to attack us over and over and over again. If someone is killed or injured, we will respond, and we have. So some of your colleagues have come out of the meetings today, though, and said almost the exact opposite, that they didn't get nearly enough information to justify what has happened um, and that, that they, they weren't satisfied with the briefing at all. What do you think they heard? Yeah, it was very interesting. I've seen some of my colleagues that have come out and made comments like that. In fact, one of my colleagues that stepped out and said, you know, the, the whole Likely. group was doing a briefing with us, and when the questions got hard, that they left and they ran off. That was absolutely positively false. That that did not occur. They weren't running away. Uh, we started at 2.30, and then we finished at 4 because they had meetings at the White House at 4. Everyone knew that they had to be able to leave at 4 o'clock, and then to be able to accuse them of saying, once we got to hard questions, they ran away, is completely twisting the whole thing off. Uh, what some people wanted to be able to get into was the same conversation during the Iraq, Iraq war about rules of engagement. Uh, there are some folks that want to tell our troops when someone is firing at you, that's the first time that you can respond. Other rules of engagement have said no. If you know that they're about to fire at you and they're preparing to fire, you can respond first rather than have to have one of your, one of your friends killed before you can actually respond back. That's the real argument. Some folks have said, hey, we didn't feel like it's imminent enough because someone's actually not getting shot at the time or there's not an immediate declared declaration right now go do the attack. Uh, we knew very well this attack was coming. The intelligence was very clear. Uh, they were in the process of this and it was entirely appropriate while Soleimani and the other terrorist leader that was with him uh, from Iraq, while the two of them were together in an area where there were no other civilians and they were isolated at four o'clock in the morning, it was exactly the moment to be able to strike those that were in the process of preparing the next strike on Americans. Exactly the time. Cut off the, uh, the head of the snake. Don't punish, uh, you know, unnecessarily American troops or even enemy combatants when you've got the opportunity to cut off the head of the snake. And Mike Lee embarrassed himself yesterday and embarrassed the people in Utah. And the people of U in Utah have been embarrassed again and again by Mike Lee, who has uh, is the number one water carrier for the unlimited immigration uh, policies in Washington that have undermined American workers so badly. And now, if Mike Lee wasn't bad enough, we've got Mitt Romney, the, 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 one of the pioneers of vulture capitalism that made his money selling out people, working people of this country, offshoring their jobs, stealing their pensions, and throwing them out on the unemployment lines. Hey, man, have you got your cigars, your Mojo Cigar Series, these three cigars available at mojo.com for a $25 support contribution for the Mojo 5 Daily? It's three cigars. The El Jafe, I think is how it's pronounced. It's a Connecticut wrapper, mild cigar for beginners, dedicated to our fearless leader, Ron Phillips. The Handy J. This is a Habano wrapper, a medium spicy cigar, very similar to what you would expect for a, from a Cuban cigar. And the Stags, a bold, smooth Maduro for the mature cigar smoker. These uh, are all hand-rolled cigars in, from Tampa Bay. 
by a Cuban-American who fled Castro's communist revolution 50 years ago to come and live the American dream. And they're better and unlike anything that you're going to find at your local cigar store. Go to uh, Mojo 50 and click on the Shop Now button. Get these three cigars for just $25 at Mojo50.com and hit the Shop Now button. So I want to send out my condolences uh, to the 63 Canadians who were killed uh, when that Ukrainian airliner crashed in Iran uh, shortly after their missile strikes on American forces in Iraq. And I took a lot of heat uh, yesterday for uh, jumping to the conclusion that, in fact, uh, this Uh, This Ukrainian airliner didn't crash from technical difficulties. It wasn't an accident. It was almost certainly, I would would guess that the probabilities are in excess of 95% that this Ukrainian airliner was shot down by the Iranian uh, air defenses, who probably freaked out and thought that that was going to be uh, a a counterattack from American air forces. There were 63 Canadians on board. There were 82 Iranians, 11 Ukrainians, 10 Swedes, 4 Afghans, 3 Germans, and 3 British nationals. I'm not sure why there were 63 Canadians over there in Tehran. uh, Tehran. But it's pretty, pretty unusual that... We would have a Ukrainian airliner taken down in the middle of a Iranian missile uh, attack on American forces, and this whole notion that uh, this this was a um, an accident resulting from technical failures was always uh, incredible, un- unbelievable. But that was the line that the mainstream media was putting forth. Well, at the moment, the focus seems to be on technical problems. We know uh, that the plane went down shortly after takeoff in Tehran. The crash site is not very far from that international airport. Uh, And as I say, the emphasis is on technical problems, but clearly a very serious crash indeed. The latest reports is that everyone on board has died. That's 168 passengers, uh, nine crew members. Uh, And at the moment, everyone is is trying to call for calm and saying, look, this is uh, a technical problem that is not linked uh, to what's going on between the U.S. and Iran. So we have hundreds of thousands of flights every day, um, well, not every day, but every year, that uh, take off and land without incident. I think in 2018, there were zero airliner crashes. In 2019, we had those two uh, crashes from the Boeing uh, Supermax because of a defective autopilot that was causing those planes to stall. But what do you figure the odds are that this Boeing 737 just happened to go down suddenly at the same time or shortly after the Iranians were launching these missile strikes? I would say that the likelihood of that happening are near zero. And we know now that the Iranians are refusing to turn over the black box. And we also know uh, through flight tracking capabilities that the the plane went down three and a half minutes after takeoff, right about the time it was gaining altitude. 
that there was no mayday, that there was no communications or signs of distress from the, from the uh, flight crew, and that it went down suddenly. So if it had lost an engine, you would have heard from the flight crew. They would have been able to return to the airport and land on one engine. But there, was, there were no indications prior to the plane crashing. A more likely scenario is that the Iranians thought that this jetliner was a, uh, an American fighter jet coming to retaliate. And they scrambled and shot it down. We don't know, or, or I don't know if they shot it down accidentally or on purpose. But the fact that they won't hand over the black box tends to confirm our worst fears in this regard. So my sincere condolences to our Canadian brothers and sisters and on the loss of life. And, and um, I guess, you know, it really cannot be said that the Iranian attack on those American bases in Iraq uh, inflicted no casualties because the casualties, these 170 souls that uh, went down, 178 souls that went down on this Ukrainian airliner were certainly casualties of the uh, Iranians' recklessness. So on the impeachment front, oh, no, before I move on, I want to talk about this. So let's uh, just for a moment, imagine, if you will, that you are a radical Islamic ayatollah over there in Iran, and you have suffered a grievous loss of your number one terror leader, and you've decided to respond by lobbing uh, a bunch of missiles, a full one-third of which uh, failed to reach their targets. And at the same time that happens... You accidentally shoot down this Ukrainian airliner, killing 178 people. You have an earthquake take place right underneath your one operating nuclear power plant in the country. And during the funeral for this terror leader, you have a stampede where 50 Iranians are killed and hundreds and hundreds more badly wounded. So you believe you're uh, the representative of God and Muhammad on earth, and all of this uh, this, this uh, misfortune befalls you as you're trying to advance your Islamic caliphate or your Islamic uh, empire there in the Middle East. What, 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 would you, what would you think about that? I would think that maybe God is not shining. Allah is not approving of, uh, of what you're engaged in. So on the impeachment front, uh, Mitch McConnell now has the votes to move forward with the rules uh, for a trial in the Senate, the same ones that, uh, that uh, were used during the Clinton impeachment. At the time, we had a much more coherent government in Washington, and, and uh, those rules were approved 100 to nothing. And they allow for uh, the House managers to come over and make their case for the president and his defense team to uh, make their case, and then for, for written questions from the senators on follow-up. And then 
there's a second phase where uh, the, the senators are able to take votes on whether to call uh, for further witnesses or documents. Old Nancy's trying to say that, uh, that Mitch is trying to stonewall the impeachment effort. No, he's not trying to stonewall it. He's trying to give the same exact uh, rules that were used in the previous precedent, the only one in modern history. And you'll recall, uh, I guess we're going on three weeks now, maybe four weeks, a full month, that uh, Nancy Pelosi was withholding these impeachment articles. You'll recall that in their rush to impeach the president in the House of Representatives, they were all telling us that this could not possibly wait another day. The urgency. The timing is really driven by the urgency. The urgency. Nothing could be more urgent. Uh, the urgency. And urgent. And urgent. There's an urgency, you know, to this. And we must move swiftly. We don't have time to screw around. It's about urgency. What? What happened to the urgency? She's saying she can't send it over there until Mitch tells her what the rules of engagement are going to be. Well, he's been telling you what the rules of engagement are going to be all along. It's going to be the same exact process that we used under Bill Clinton. And I think what's going on is Nancy Pelosi is scared to death that once they send over these articles of impeachment, that the collusion that took place between Adam Schiff and the so-called whistleblower is going to be, uh, the lid's going to be blown off of that. And uh, all of these witnesses uh, that the Democrats refused to allow in the House are going to come forward and expose their entire impeachment sham. It's urgent. We can't wait another day. Oh, well, never mind. So she's run up against Mitch McConnell, who uh, is actually a skilled politician. Everybody in the mainstream media keeps telling us that Nancy Pelosi is this master tactician and master of the legislative process. Evidence would indicate just the opposite. This is her second time with the speaker's gavel. The first time she lost her majority after two years, and it appears that she's well on her way to uh, to making history by lose being being the first speaker in history to lose her majority twice. Hey man, are you watching this uh, this Jeopardy tournament, the greatest of all time, the goat? That's something to, something to see. Uh, these uh, these three contestants, the most successful contestants in the history of the game are getting every single clue and running up huge scores and it is fun to watch and and alex trebek is despite the fact that uh, he's supposed to be knocking on death's door is in top form so if you haven't been watching that uh you need to make sure that you tune in tonight at eight o'clock it's a full one hour jeopardy tournament and we'll talk about it a little bit uh, more tomorrow on Right Now with Jim Dawes. And I hope you'll join us then right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. I've been working at Santa's Workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Internet required for mobile. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. 
and Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand, and they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more.